You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Hey, what's up? Not a whole lot. No. No. It's been a chill week so far, which is good because it's only Tuesday, and if I said that it had been a chaotic week so far, that'd be bad. Yeah, although now I feel like you're inviting chaos for the rest of the week. No. I just knocked on wood. <laughs> that, yeah, your no does not, li- like, the universe doesn't listen to, to the, the the second point you I make. simply will not manifest chaos. I, okay. I'm manifesting peace into that my mean, life. You That means right now, immediately, you are inviting chaos into this home. I'm certainly not. Okay, so when your week goes tits up, I'm going to laugh. I don't know. We already had a ghost incident this morning. Oh, yeah, the apartment's haunted. Yeah, real haunted. Yep. I mean, we did know that, but this was, like, a, a recent haunting. Like, it's been dormant. It, it knows that tomorrow is September. It's Sp- ready for Halloween. Spooky season is upon us. Yeah. I was just standing in the hallway at 6.45 a.m., and um, the hall light just came on. It was, uh, like, the light flip, uh, the light switch flipped on and everything. It was not previously on. So. You know, here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. This haunting. Um, it was the morning and the light turned on. Imagine if it was night and the light turned off. <laughs> so much worse. Ghost in this apartment. Don't get any ideas. I, I feel like we know if this was like a malevolent spirit, you know? Yes. Also, we never turn the hall light on during the nighttime. So can't, it can't happen if we don't <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe it's just sort of reaching beyond the veil. It's being like, Hello. Days are getting shorter. Don't strain your eyes. We're about to see a lot more of each other. It's true. Yeah. Um, Do you know, in mythology, in the wild hunt, the way that Odin's wild hunt could pierce the veil was because of the changing of seasons. I did not know that, but that makes sense because, you know, liminal time. Yes. Liminal spaces. The the Norse um, gods had similar, like, Obviously, one, there was a lot of transaction between the Celts and the Norse, but Mm -hmm. they have similar, like, uh, festivals of harvest. Interesting. Yes. Fun facts. Fun facts for, from somebody who really likes Halloween. (laughs) We're beyond ready We really are. Oh my God. Yeah. Wolfpack, tell us what you're going to be for Halloween this year. I want to see costume layouts. I want to see options. I want to see plans for every party you go to if you live in a place where it is acceptable to go to parties without a mask or just wear your mask or, to the party yeah just get wear vaccinated you know what get vaccinated That's get all vaccinated I say. because you know what people this is a true hollow weekend yes like for realsies hollow weekend what day is halloween uh uh sunday oh hell yeah <laughs> yeah so party hardy yep pumped um anyway back to the wild hunt we are here at the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast that talks about MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. And I'm Julia. And we're going to talk about The Wild Hunt because we are talking about Season 6, Episode 5, Radio Silence. Yes, it was written by uh, a gentleman named Ross Maxwell, who was also written for Glee, Riverdale, and Sabrina. And um, as we discussed to each other when preparing for this episode, he could have written really excellent episodes of all of those shows. We I, just don't know. Well, I really liked this episode of Teen Wolf. So it's entirely possible. Yeah, but probable. you're right. Like, that on a resume is like, mm. okay. Okay. Glee and Riverdale? Okay. Okay. You, you have a, a genre, for sure. Yeah. Um, but it, hey, people who, like, know what they're good at and stick to it, like, mad props. Props. Um, 
It was directed by Russell Mulcahy. This felt like a Russell episode. It did. No water. But very unwet. Yeah. Very dry, you very might dry. say. <laughs> unwet. But uh, it was. It looked good. I thought it looked great. Um, it looked great. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought Dylan O'Brien was great. It was so good to see him return. Mm-hmm. And who else is back but Peter, our favorite boy. I really missed Peter. I really, really missed him. I like he really does add something that is not replicated by any of the other characters that have been introduced to sort of fill his role. Yeah, I Theo mean, is not near <laughs> as charming, funny, or smart. Like, dude, no. just mostly the fact that he's like sixteen. You know, he's, Peter is a seasoned villain. He really is, and he could not care less what other people think about him, despite how very vain he is. Whereas Theo, I mean, like the man, he, the little boy, he's sixteen. He does want to be friends. Yeah, but his pedestrian evil gets in the way. Uh, I suppose. <laughs> <Pedestrian> <laughs> oh yeah this was great it was really awesome how contained this episode was it was another episode that had like three sets and four cast members it was so fun it's you know um i say this all the time because i'm a theater nerd but when things are sort of reduced down like that you sort of get the sense of like a drama like a kitchen sink type of drama mm-hmm. and it is so compelling because you are entirely the, the action is entirely dependent on interaction. Like, it's all conversation. There's, like, no big violence in this. Like, there's a couple things where, like, the Wild Hunt shows up. But it's so about, like, holding on to the mystery and walking with these characters. And it, it's so fun. I'm, exci- I'm excited to get into it. But first, we have to do the 60-second recap. And due to your very honorable volunteering on the first episode of this season, uh, you now get to go first. Sucks to be noble. Um, you were like so on your high horse, like, oh, I'm going to go first because I like, I don't know, were you taking one for the team? We both have to do it. I know. I was just trying to like start out season six on the right foot. Um, but I'm like feeling confident actually about this recap because not a lot happened. Watch me fail miserably i am prepared to but also in terms of getting off on the right foot for season six any foot was the right foot <laughs> after season five because we were walking on our hands it literally could have just been my elbow uh, yeah and it would have been fine <laughs> all righty on your mark get set go okay so styles is in the wild hunt and train station everyone's sitting quietly until they hear an announcer and they go up um to look at the wild hunt rides in and freaks people out and then it's like "Ooh, peter's back flashback to ike and he escape when the power goes out and gets raptured exactly after that styles wants to break out and peter's like it's impossible because the train station isn't actually real and styles starts going in circles but they confront a guy who's been watching them and he's like the way out is through the tunnel so they start walking back at beaton hills high school lydia sees the jeep through the window it's being towed away they pay to save it. Um, Styles, Peter, and the dude reach the other abandoned station, and they're like, we're going to jump on the riders, and Peter's like, that's a really dumb idea, but the boy does it, and he turns to us for real. Styles is like, there has to be another way up, but Peter starts to freak. Um, he notices that there are wires for the intercom and finds a radio, which connects to the Jeep, and the gang hears it, but they can't hear uh, anything coming from it. Um, Peter hears the riders um, and saves them from being you know, smashed to pieces or whatever. Scott smells all of them in the Jeep and is like, oh, we were all here. The title leads them back to the Stolinskis, who don't remember it, said it was stolen. Lydia is like super distraught and being gaslit. She goes to sit back to the wall and it's like this cool back-to-back shot of her and styles the tow guy comes back but the game that stops him the we- the wild hunt brings back and gwen she finds phoebe Ooh, oh my you god you are done my friend i was so close you really were that was impressive i felt very good about it good okay so um let us see how much better 
You will do. That's a lot of confidence. Yeah. <laughs> Better? Okay. You should have just said, let's see how you do. <laughs> let's see how Christian's going to do on this 60-second <laughs> recap that will begin starting right now. So Silas is in a train station, and he's like, oh, does anybody know what's going on? And then Peter reveals himself, and then uh, Peter is like, yeah, he doesn't remember how he got there, and then he remembers that he was in Eichenhaus, and then he gets, like, taken right after he broke out after their, like, heist. Um, they then meet some guy who's like, I know the way out of here. Go through the tunnels. And he's like, I'm going to jump on the back of a horse. And they're like, that sounds dangerous, except Peter's like, no, let him do it. Meanwhile, at the high school, Lydia sees the, sees the Jeep being towed, and she's like, um, actually, uh, this is mine, and here's $150 for you to not tow it. And then they break into the Jeep, and they're like, wait, we have all been here because Scott can smell them but they're like yeah but styles isn't real and then they find the um like registration and or whatever and they bring it to the stilinskis because it's got their address on it and claudia's like uh, that was my car but it was stolen and lydia's like nobody has to exist and she goes and cries by his wall and then there's a backpack shot of her and styles at the train station the guy jumps on the horse and gets disintegrated by the force field and then the wild hunt come back and then uh styles and peter find a radio and styles is like i'm gonna radio to them and then peter's like no there's only one way out and i'm not human so i bet i can make it through the portal and he makes it through the portal and he fries himself and meanwhile, Styles gets the radio. That is time. Okay. But would you like to continue since you were on such a roll? Um, sure. So Styles gets back to the radio. Um, and Peter gives No, no, no. Styles gets back to the radio and starts trying to radio his friends. Uh Peter howls when he makes it through the portal, and Scott and Malia are like, who was that? It sounds familiar. And then they find him, and they're like, this guy smells like barbecue. This is gross. He's all burned up. Um, again? Again. Uh, Malia realizes first that that's her dad. That's you, my dad. <laughs> you are my dad. You're my dad. Boogie, woogie, woogie. Um, and uh, they take his pain, and as they do, she realizes that the keys are... he. Peter took Styles' keys. And they get back into the Jeep, and they talk to Styles, and he tells them to find Kanan. And then the radio dies. Yes. And that's it. Yeah. Oh, and at one point, Peter tells Styles that the list of cities on the arrivals board is a hit list of the cities that the Wild Hunt will be taking down. Yeah. He basically says that nobody in Beacon Hills is safe. Womp, womp, womp. Which is a high stakes. Very high stakes. Yes. I love that. I love how clearly the stakes are defined in season six. It's yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, we loved this episode. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I wasn't explaining a full half of an episode after I finished my recap was great because we were entertained the entire time. And so like, even though it felt like we were in one place for a long time, it never felt slow. It was paced so well. Like I said, not particularly action heavy, which, like, I get bored watching people fight. <laughs> I do, too. And the little bit of action that does happen is, like, really impactful. Like, the fact that that kid just turns to dust. Yeah. Um, and I like, I don't know, I like all the wild hunt galloping around in the train station. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, maybe it's just because I like the horses. But, um, yeah, I like it. Okay, that kid turning to dust, though, there is this scene in Spider-Man 1. It's been a really long time since I've talked about Spider-Man 1. Anyway, where the Green Goblin's, like, Green Goblin, like, disintegrates some people, and it's, like, the worst CGI you've ever seen where you, like, see their skeletons. It's, like, clinically horrible. Um, Practical effect, baby. Like, even for, like, 2001 or whenever that was. Um, And... It, that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> and so, I mean, it didn't look, it did not look great, 
but it was impactful. You know what though? Because the the CGI of this season has been um, sort of small moments as opposed to la bet, so much less distracting. I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, the the wild hunt is clearly wearing like masks, like that's makeup and and stuff. Yeah. You know, they're not CGIing their faces. <laughs> no. Um, and it looks really good. It looks real because it is. It, yeah. <laughs> we don't have a wolf who looks like an amphibian <laughs> running around. <laughs> I just I can't get over it um yeah anyway really liked this episode how many times can we say that and it feels so good yeah to say that yeah yeah um we're gonna talk about this episode through the theme of belief so it's interesting because it feels like everybody needs to get over a hurdle in this episode in terms of believing someone or getting someone to believe them um and you'd think like even though Styles is with Peter in the train station like Peter would automatically believe Styles because why would they be there but no like there is an element of sort of brainwashing that goes into it and of course Lydia is at her wits end in trying to get people to believe her um and ultimately like Scott and Malia have to make a leap to believe her uh it's really interesting um especially insofar as these efforts were achievable in the episode yeah Um, I think part of that has to do with the fact that they've done a really nice job of setting up kind of the balancing act that's been going on of like, okay, we know people are being taken and Lydia, we want to believe, um, like in your powers, um, and we do believe in you, but like after a certain point, we really feel like we have to give up. Mm -hmm. Um, but Lydia clearly doesn't. And I, I like the way that that's been continued and kind of drawn out, but not so long because this is only the fifth episode of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, that this feels like a nice point to kind of come to a conclusion. And because there's so, there's nothing else happening in this episode. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. No baby pack at all. Fine by me. Sorry. Uh, no, it's great. I, I love them, but also um, I think that's what makes it so achievable as um, a goal. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about this in acting school. When was the last time I brought that up? <laughs> we were just talking about how much you love act like live theater. So yeah, oh yeah. Um, but there was something I always liked about like when you're picking your objectives as an actor or like defining your objectives in a scene one of the things that you should be focusing on is whether or not they're achievable. And I think that that is something that's really applicable to writing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say it's achievable, but you can't achieve it. That's interesting too. But like none of season five is achievable in an episode. They keep doing all of these crazy things that will never work. And I would be far more interested if it just slightly didn't work or if we got a couple wins spliced in. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially because the so far the um other elements have been kind of spliced in like the you know the nazi werewolf teacher and the um brain eating oh yeah i legit thought that um the bio teacher was going to talk about um the it's whatever a, it's called yeah i was gonna yeah. say pituitary but that's not no. the right one um and then the when pineal she, gland yeah and when she didn't i was like lit i did not want to think about that guy no <laughs> Um, but, it, but it, it's been really minimal mm-hmm. and I feel like every time we learn a new piece about the wild hunt, it legitimately adds to our understanding of what's going on as opposed to giving us more questions, um, which is, you know, part of what makes us as the audience feel like this is achievable. Yeah. It's, and it's fleshing out the mythology as opposed to like complicating it. 
Um, unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. Oh my gosh. And I, I feel um, like we're being slightly unfair by being unable to focus on season six um, separate from uh, season five. But like, it is only because we want to outline how much of a success it is comparatively. Yeah. I mean, we just spent so many episodes being really frustrated with the show that we uh, love, emphasize on we love Teen Wolf. Um, and so it's nice to be able to love it again. And we want to be clear always that season five is an anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so where would you like to start in our conversation on belief? I really would like to talk about Peter. Lay and it on <laughs> me. King. Um, we have to kind of talk about like Peter and, and Styles kind of go together in this episode because they're both um, trapped in that um, train station. One super great. Uh, the little bit of backstory as to how he got there. Sucks to suck, Peter. You get raptured right after you break out of Eichenhaus. And then as soon as you make it out, you are burned to hell again. Well, I mean, I, I thought briefly about saving this for observations, but I think you really can't um, disconnect them from like the hurdles that Peter is going like overcoming mentally in this episode. Peter, um, sees that guy, uh, get disintegrated. Mm -hmm. And even though he's pretty sure he'll survive or not sure at all, he has to make himself believe he will. He knows that like incineration is part of the process in going through that portal for whatever reason peter has to be so sure of his belief that he is going to make it through or be able to like actually incite change that he's willing to risk what is essentially the inciting uh, like affliction of the entire series Mm -hmm. is that peter has already suffered massively because of uh the burns he received in the fire that kate set on the Argent house and believing in a cause enough to relive your worst trauma possible is an insane thing. Yeah. Well, I think part of that also is just that like Peter did make it through. Yeah. That's nuts. That initial trauma. Um, and I think it's always easier to believe something when you have evidence that you survived it before. Um, or you have evidence that you are like somehow, um, like capable of being that resilient. Sometimes it's a very misguided belief, but it allows Peter to like make this crazy jump literally and figuratively. Yeah. Um, and possibly potentially save everyone involved. And, um, part of what I just find so, um, lovely and fascinating about that is that he says pretty expressly that he's doing this for Malia. Yeah. I liked that Mm -hmm. because it shows that Peter like does have the capacity to change, which always reminds me of that line in in Bruges. That's like, yeah, you have the capacity to get fucking worse. (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously part because Peter is exactly who he has always been. Part Mm -hmm. of that is for himself. He sees himself in the train station as being the only person who could possibly get out because he's the only one, as far as he knows, who isn't human. Mm -hmm. Um, And that must be like, I don't know. Not a relief necessarily, um, but to have that idea, that belief that you could be the one, um, that you could save your own ass. Yeah. But Peter, over the last, like, however many seasons, has been, one, surrounded by goodness, and two, um, like, had a lot of opportunities to be a better person, and he's not taken them. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a 
like completely different ball game though of yeah. having been raptured to the wild hunt um it's yeah. just so fascinating well i will also say like i think the final bruise to peter's ego is the finale of four mm-hmm. and getting locked back up um and i think that he i don't think that peter's no longer in it for being like you know, all powerful or whatever. But I think he's starting to be a little bit more, um, uh, accepting of the fact that he may not, that might, that <laughs> might not be achievable in the scene. And yeah, I think that like, we saw a little bit of Peter being, um, invested in Malia. I think it's underexplored. I think I if agree. you really wanted to pitch that as being like his big thing, you have to be like, I think it would have been a really interesting conversation for Peter Peter to have with Derek even to be like, maybe our family isn't destroyed. Maybe there's still people we can have in our family after losing everybody, but they didn't have that conversation. So I'm not very sold, but yeah, like if you want to be like, this is Peter's changing point. Cool. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's frustrating because they do kind of try to um, link the incident where Peter breaks out of Viking House literally because it's caused by the gang. Like Malia is there. Um, that idea that like he somehow knows mm-hmm. that she's there, which is not implausible. Um, but really the heart of that relationship was explored a little bit in season four. Um, and to not have any kind of flashback to something that legit already happened or was made up for this episode. I could have used it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another interesting part of belief is not only Peter's belief in himself, because I, there is a part of Peter that's like, what can't I do? And that explains his actions from, uh, season one until now, from the pilot (laughs) until now. It's like, what are they going to do? Fire me. But what are they going to do? Kill me. Yeah. It's like, well, we haven't managed that yet. So, okay. (laughs) We did for a bit. And then Lydia brought you back to life. Um, Styles also has to invest, um, a fair bit of effort to get Peter to believe him about what's happening. Mm-hmm. Peter at first is like, I'm waiting for my train. Duh. Duh. Um, and Styles is like, why are you being so like passive about this? Why aren't you trying to stand up and look for a way out? And it's funny because I think that there is like um, an argument to be made about like the way the wild hunt like does something to your perceptions but I also think that there's like a willing, um, like you have, you are a willing participant in accepting your position in that train station. You know, no one's like, it's, it's far more comfortable to just think that you're waiting for a train. I think that that is the easiest explanation as to why Styles and that other guy, is his name Sam? I have no idea. I don't think they named him. The dude. We can check on IMDb, but that's not worth it. So. The boy. Um, it's just him and the other guy mm-hmm. um, who can really remember where they're coming from. Um, so I think that idea of like passive acceptance um, as like a method of protection that your brain kind of enacts is far more plausible than it being the wild hunt because it's not just Peter um, who can't really accept it. Like I'm thinking about styles talking to the woman sitting next to him and uh, trying to bring up like, would you travel in your work clothes? Mm -hmm. Things like that, that don't make any logical sense. Um, But if you think about them too hard, 
you might have a, you know, breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, Styles is also like, it's funny to me because Styles is always like the one who's asking questions. He's always the one who's like picking holes and stuff. So, you know, you can say like, that's kind of, um, kind of it. Like, that's why he's the one who, who's able to wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, nobody, it's funny because nobody remembers anything on the other side either until they start thinking about it. Right. Like nobody mm-hmm. in the train station remembers why they're there. And I a little bit wonder, um, if you know, it's a little bit of like Lydia remembering styles, but styles kind of remembering Lydia too. Oh, like a reciprocal yeah. kind of thing. I, I mean, the, I don't think this is something that's ever explored, but I think it would be fascinating if it's like you know, the PAX connection to the Nemeton that like allows them to have that kind of link or to remember things. The fact that Styles had to share his entire essence with another being for a full season, mm-hmm. um, you know, that makes you like more aware of what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more perceptive. perhaps. Yeah. yeah. I, I think all of that is really um, interesting to consider, but in terms of like the relationships in this show, it's just so nice for me personally to believe that it's Lydia. It's, it's Lydia because she loves him. She do. Um, yeah. And you know, she all like styles also like has a huge amount of belief in his friends that they are going to, you know, he says when they answered the radio call, he's like, do you remember me? What was the last thing I said to you? Which is interesting because he is obviously trying to get them to prove that they are who they are. Mm-hmm. And cause like, who knows if this is like a trick of the wild hunt, you know? Yeah. Um, but also because he like needs to believe that they do actually remember him. He needs both the proof that they are them, but also the proof that they do remember him. And it's not just a fluke that they've contacted him, that he's been able to contact them. And, you know, when you can't see, you know, it's, it's faith when you can't see styles, when he tells you, he, you can't come find him because you are never going to find him. You are acting entirely on belief. Mm hmm. Um, which is great. I also love, this might be more for observations, but I'm just going to say it now. The fact that Styles and Peter are the people who end up in this train <laughs> station, the, um, like the amount of contempt when he's like, Peter just says like you, of course it had <laughs> to be you. you stuck in here with yeah. me. Um, which is funny because if anybody has a reason to hate the other one more, it's <laughs> Styles at Peter. <laughs> but I also think that they are like the best possible combination because their personality like they're so adversarial with each other that they um it's one of those situations where they're pushing against each other and that actually brings them to solutions Mm -hmm. um because like they almost have competing beliefs in this particular episode and it's like well you know they're gonna do peter's gonna do his thing and styles is gonna do his thing and they both have merit um and they're kind of able to talk it out together Mm -hmm. and i just imagine like um styles being there with coach yeah like or like or derek i mean i mean like imagine if it was scott with peter like what you have mm-hmm. right now is actually sort of like the two smartest people in the room and they're the only people in the room. And that's mm-hmm. why it's so compelling. Um, speaking of Scott, shall we move into uh, the outside world? Let's do it. Scott and Malia are an interesting case because they, in the last episode have decided that they don't really believe in styles anymore. They don't really believe that he existed. And it feels like Lydia is on her own because of course she is. Why doesn't anyone listen to women? I just think that women, I just think that women, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, part of that, I think, maybe stems from Scott's belief that he just, you know, failed to save a bunch of people. And maybe he believes or maybe he feels that fixating on styles who he ca- they cannot pin down where like what the relic is or like who this person was in relation to them beyond like oh he might have been my best friend like there's no real understanding as to why that might be important to him and so his belief is that he needs to do whatever he can to keep the people who are still around safe which I very much empathize with mm-hmm. um but it is so frustrating to see it uh kind of not put a wedge between him and Lydia because like they're, they're best friends. Um, but it makes him really profoundly unhelpful. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even say that it's like entirely unhelpful, but I would say that he's sort of like a speed bump on Lydia's, like, I know what's happening journey. It's interesting to me that in terms of belief, Scott still isn't even sure after he smells their sense in that, in the Jeep. He's like, mm-hmm. I've never been in here before. And it's like, it's really interesting to me that he's no longer trusting or believing in his instincts mm-hmm. because of how, um, I think maybe it's because of how absurd this is to him. The idea that this person is from his life. I think it, I think you couldn't even be able to begin to calculate that somebody of this importance existed and you don't remember them. So Scott is having a hard time believing in stuff that he normally would believe in inherently. Well, to that point Malia almost says as much um when they're all sitting in the jeep and Scott is having that moment where he smells them all and Malia says that she's lost a lot of people in her life and she just could not comprehend the idea of having lost someone else so it must not have happened yeah and I think that's really interesting that like Malia is denying herself belief in something because it would hurt too much if it weren't true, which I totally, I think that everything we know about Malia, of course. And I actually breeds a really great scene where like, where after Scott, you know, kind of says his piece, like they're like, whose side are you on? Lydia's or Malia's? And he goes, I'm on everyone's side. And it's like, yes, Scott, (laughs) we know. Um, Well aware. We're well aware. And that is really interesting to me about how like, Lydia needs to believe this is true because she's lost this person and Malia doesn't want to because she can't lose another because I think that you know it's it's a little fatalistic but I think that like Malia is seeing less and less hope for the the lost so she why would she entertain the idea that she could get someone back if she could also live happily not ever thinking about the place they had in her life yeah, it's like I'm very similar to all of the people who are just sitting in the train station. It is just so much healthier. Air quotes around healthier. Like it feels like it is so much more protective to not engage with that concept mm-hmm. than it is to um, genuinely feel. And um, it, uh, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Everybody in this show needs to go to therapy. Yes. Real therapy, not Eichenhaus. <laughs> um, talk therapy. Maybe even group therapy. I think group therapy, well, group therapy would super be good for Malia. I think it would breed a little <laughs> bit more empathy. 
Yeah. Oh, to your to your point earlier about why it's like what's so great about having Peter back is that Malia sort of serves a similar function of being like, well, why should I care what happens to these people? Um, but she doesn't really have an agenda, and Peter always has an agenda. Yeah. Oh, I know. That's why he's great. You know, it's funny. Like you're like, is Malia's lack of empathy because of her upbringing, or is it genetic? Is this, is this a nature v nurture situation, <laughs> or is it a zesty? blend particularly powerful blend of both yes yeah and that's kind of interesting about like the 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 sort of similarities in their personalities about how like peter is what (laughs) happens when that personality is evil and malia is what happens when that personality is good that's it malia does not have peter's smarts no i love her so much she really is that girl dumb but we do love her yeah here we are coming off an episode when we all decided that i was like the malia of our friend group (laughs) and now i'm like wait hold on (laughs) wait just a minute were you guys being mean to me never does do you ever get that thing where somebody compares you to like a celebrity or like or a character and you're like oh that was not a compliment to me personally yeah i don't know that i have a specific example um coming to mind at the moment but that's definitely um happened to me before or they think it's a compliment and everything you know about the character is like what the The fuck yeah yeah what in the world yeah someone could be like oh my gosh you're like uh, like uh rory gilmore and you'd be like "Eh." seasons one through three thank you seasons Mm -hmm. after that go fuck yourself like you know a a known hated character yeah i'd be like um, but in a good thank way you. and you're like what that was not a g- oh my god I hate when people say but in a good way well because if you have to clarify doesn't sound like a good way no. no it doesn't no Ugh. maybe instead also maybe instead of comparing people like just give an earnest compliment I like your person that your personality <laughs> I is like this. your personality <laughs> no 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 I like that you you have a, this personality I just wasn't yeah. being specific but yeah yeah Life advice, it's going in the book. It's going in our, our self-help book. Life advice, actually just don't compare anyone to a fictional character. I mean, I guess there are exceptions, but if you, like, if you, again, like, just pay them an earnest compliment yeah. instead of giving a comparison game. True. I like that you are strong-willed. I like that you're funny. Just, yeah. Life advice from Christian and Julia. <laughs> also, flirting advice? Anywho. Um what the hell we're talking about <laughs> malia and peter yeah uh and the comparison game Malia's dumb but i love her um let's talk about lydia vindicated why does no one believe her she's always right she's the smartest person you all know and she has a mystical power to see beyond the veil and you guys are like i don't know lydia i think you're just being crazy about this one no she is literally never being crazy about that one okay the thing about that though is it is legitimately never actually about lydia no it's never actually about whether or not they believe her it's never actually about whether or not they think she's crazy. It has everything to do with like what they can focus on in that moment, which must be infuriating for Lydia because she knows she's right. We know she's right. Um, and in this episode, she gets her sweet, sweet moment of I told you so. Yeah. Yep, she does. But, you know, again, she clearly her friends are being empathetic toward her feelings about styles because Scott follows her immediately out of the um, classroom when she dips on biology because she sees the truck being towed. They're very kind. Very kind. And it just feels like they're walking on eggshells with her. Like she's going to break. I don't know. You guys (laughs) left her in the mental hospital for with a hole in her head, with a hole in her head for months on end. So maybe stop using the baby gloves and like, like, 
Just let talk her to her. You, yeah, talk yeah. to her. Let her tell you what to do. Um, it's interesting. We've got the most solid piece of, even before we get the radio, we have the most solid pieces of evidence of Styles' existence we've ever seen. Um, we have the Jeep. We have the title to the Jeep, which leads them to the, Stil- to the Stilinski's house. And even then, like, Scott and Malia are still a little bit like, I don't know, which is like. That sounds crazy. Open your <laughs> eyes, dude. She's right. And what I thought was most interesting um, in terms of, like, her belief in this episode is when she kind of gets, like, a little bit gaslit by the Stolinskis. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah, that truck's been gone since the 80s. There'd be no way to track it after it was stolen. Which, like, fair. There wouldn't be any way to track it after it was stolen. But, like, I don't know. Run the serial number. Um, I mean, they did that. Oh. Already. Oh. But, yes. Um... Well, and it's so interesting because um, there's something wrong with Claudia. We all know this at this point. Yeah. Um, There's something really sinister about her. So it's not entirely clear whether or not she actually believes or doesn't remember that the Jeep, like, that she doesn't really remember the Jeep or that it's been gone for that long. Mm -hmm. The sheriff, like, clearly is just like, I have never seen this car before in my life. Yeah. Um, And that's, like, really real to him. Um, And so it's uh, just, I don't know. It's interesting because, yeah, like you said, like, there's something really sinister about Claudia. Something I didn't necessarily pick pick up on as much on my first watch of the season as I am now. Um... But what I find interesting is, yes, like the sheriff can't really be sold on anything because the sheriff isn't ex- isn't really in the same position to be experiencing the proof that the uh, pack is. Mm-hmm. Um, but like once Lydia starts to break down, it almost feels like Claudia sends her out of the room. You know, Lydia's like, can I, you know, go use the bathroom or whatever? And Claudia's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take as long as you want. And it's a little bit like if she gets removed from a situation where she might get the sheriff on her side. Mm hmm. There's no further investigation, right? Yeah. Um, Lydia doesn't have um, any opportunity to be more persuasive. Yeah. Um, Which, she's kind of exhausted her options at that point. Um, But the two people who would genuinely know anything about this car are being just completely um, unhelpful on purpose and not on purpose. Yes. Yep. Um, and obviously, like you said, she's totally vindicated by the end of the episode. We get the keys from Peter and she speaks to Silas on the radio and my heart sings. Um, it's so good. And then everybody has to believe her. Well, the relief. Yeah. Um, that you hear in Scott's voice and they don't have, a, they don't really have a moment because when, um, they come upon Peter who they, you couldn't really recognize cause his entire face is like charred to a crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, but Malia's like, Oh my God, that is my dad. And Scott has a moment where like, there's a flashback to the end of season four when Peter's like, you are my beta first, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scott's like, how the fuck could I forget that? Yeah. <laughs> but when he's both of your dads in a really weird way, <laughs> a really just odd, odd way. I don't like to think about that because of Scalia. Um, it is weird. Anyway, um, there's not really a moment because um, Lydia knew all along yeah. about Styles. Yeah. And then I think as soon as he uh as soon as Scott hears Styles' voice, we don't even need a flashback. No. For them. Because Scott immediately. It's not even a question of belief anymore. He knows. Yeah. Yes. 
And I think that's sort of the thesis of this episode is where does belief become like understanding. Knowing. Yeah. yeah. Knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, loved it. Had a great time. Shall we move into Q's and O's? Let's do it. Do you have any questions? Um, we already talked about it actually. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah. Do you? No. No. <laughs> Why did I, what did I ask? I let Teen Wolf come to me as it does. Um, what are some of your observations? Do you not have any? Why do I just offering you the opportunity to I never go first. Share Please first. do your, your observations. I um, love that the people that the Wild Hunt captures go to a train station. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so kind of antiquated. Um, I, I love trains. And um, it's so cool to just, like, I love the waiting room design. Yeah. Um, I, I really like the way that it looks. Um, I really liked, there's just like a flashback when Peter is in Eichenhaus and he's carving the revenge symbol onto the floor. Yeah. Um, when he finally gets to leave and like, I think kills one of those guards. Um, I really liked that. And the shot of, and I, I'm sure you would also have talked about this. We kind of have already, um, of styles and Lydia sitting back to back him in the train station, her in the upstairs hallway, where his room used to be, um, both completely broken down because whatever they were attempting to do is just not working and not happening. And it's just so beautifully shot. And they're both doing such good work. I yeah. loved it. Oh my gosh. Like Holland Roden can really shine when she's given good material. And mm-hmm. like, obviously she does a good job like in general, but like, why did they not, you know, give her her like <laughs> she paid her dues on the show give her stuff to do that is interesting and compelling to watch like she's really earned it over and over again and i thought she was great in this episode i agree um do you have any other observations i just loved the focus of this episode and we, we talked about the reduced cast and how confined everything is to those three different sets and how long the scenes are i think it is so much more watchable and it's not that teen wolf can't have action but when you're trying to recenter a show, I think that this works so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. How about you? I like the train station as well. I mentioned to you when we were watching, it reminded me of Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. It also reminded me of the King's Cross thing in the seventh Harry Potter book. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, both sort of like the train station as the passage to the other realm. Um, I loved when Peter said that the hunt is a force of nature because it makes it, it sort of removes the idea that they're creatures and more like, you know, they ride the lightning, like they're weather, like they're inevitable and inherent. Yeah. That they're not necessarily evil. Mm -hmm. Um, Like what they do seems outwardly like to us to be evil, but they're they're just like doing their jobs. Yeah. Um, I really liked that as well, especially because like one of our biggest complaints about season five was that we just didn't really know what the dread doctors wanted or even like what ultimately the goal of like a resurrecting Labette was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, maybe this is kind of a cop out, but I actually do like the idea that you couldn't stop the wild hunt, even if you wanted to, which of course they figure it out, Mm -hmm. but it's not that they want anything necessarily. They are just collecting souls because that's what they have to do. Yeah, or that 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 they want to do that that but that that's but the no only goal justification like, we don't, for it. <laughs> like the problem is like, 
the wild hunt destroy things and they collect souls to join them on the wild hunt because that furthers their mission to destroy things and collect souls. Mm-hmm. The Dread Doctors brought back Labette to... Do what? Um, I have no idea. No idea. I mean, I guess, again, like, Marcel loved Sebastian. Listen, if that had actually been the whole point, I would have been like, cool. I would not have been. I would have been like, what a fucking cop out. <laughs> anyway. At least it would have been an explanation. You're right. Um, but, like, I think the Wild Hunt is a little bit more uh, sort of closer to, like, what we saw with, like, the Nogitsune. Like, mm-hmm. they do it because they do it. <laughs> right? Like. Yeah. And I fucking love that. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, I loved, yeah, I liked the Force of Nature, nature comparison. I loved the, how sinister Claudia feels, you know? Because even if you're not picking up on, like, everything, it's, like, she's so uncanny. Like, you're dead. Mm-hmm. You are not supposed to be here. And I think it's really effective for the audience. Um, I think something about the way that, like, the scenes with her are lit, or even just the way that, like, the sheriff interacts with her, mm-hmm. there is something so off-kilter about it, and I don't necessarily know who to credit for it's, it. Well, it's like a changeling thing, mm-hmm. um, and I think that, you know, yeah, it probably is a technical aspect as well, but, like, I, I really do think that it's just the idea of her being there is so unsettling that you're kind of watching for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what was my... Oh, there's a, a scene where uh, Lydia is trying to start the Jeep, and she... <laughs> is um pumping the gas while tra- while turning the uh ignition and Scott's like don't flood it and she's like do you know what that means and he's like no <laughs> and it's just something he'd heard Styles say like a million times probably while trying to get the jeep to start and i just thought that was a great little yeah like, I, does Styles know anything about cars? <laughs> no, but he definitely knows so much more than Scott. I also love the idea that Styles is the only one who can drive the Jeep because none of his friends know how to drive stick and he will not teach them. Yeah. Clearly. I had a couple, I've, oh, I've like in my life, I've had several friends who have been like, yeah, I drive sticks because my parents didn't want my friends to be able to borrow my car. That is hilarious. Actually, yeah. it's a skill I really wish I had. Um, my mom will teach you. <laughs> Yeah. Did the, I don't, I'm did, not a very good driving student, so... I was about to be like, also, being in the car with my mom <laughs> probably puts the fear of God into you, so... Love, uh, mom, I love you. Um, that was the last of my observations. Do you have our pack stats? I do. Um, minimal. Great. There love was, it. There was one eyes. Cool. Um, and it was a flashback, so... like Oh, and there was a Toyota ad, because... Lydia drives her car, ah, cool. which is a Toyota. Um, when does Lydia drive in this episode? Or maybe Malia drove it for her Okay. after her driving lesson. Somebody drives the blue Prius. Okay. Yeah. Um, great. Love to hear that. That's it. No sirens, which is interesting because earlier today they were just happening all the time. Yeah. In the Delta working from home situation, I am constantly <laughs> having to go on mute uh, because of the sirens. Yep. Yeah, which is funny because I don't really think about them because I'm just used to this. No, but then they get, especially when they pass like right by the apartment, you're like, oh, my eardrums. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, even then, I don't really think about it just because just like an aspect of our street. But then like my coworkers are like, is something happening? And I'm like, somewhere, not to not me. Not here, personally. <laughs> um. Anyway, do you have an alpha of the week? Peter. Peter, duh. Oh my God, Peter. <laughs> First of all, he has always been the alpha Versus first mostly. <laughs> Write that down. Um, and uh, more importantly, 
I don't know how, I mean, like, yes, it's important to start the Jeep or whatever, but the like, radio worked without the keys. So. Well, because the radio isn't part of the Jeep, it's the no. police scanner. Yeah, which I find really funny. Um, yeah, no, Peter, Peter all the way. Yes. He did that. Love you. Love you, Peter. Um, I think that about wraps it up, yeah? I think so. Well, guys, if you liked this episode, you can leave us a review on iTunes. If you leave us five stars and a review, we'll read it out loud on the podcast and give you a shout out on Twitter should you leave your handle. If you really liked this episode, you can oh well i skipped twitter so i guess if you like this episode you can follow us on twitter at teen wolf which is also our instagram handle our facebook group is teen wolf Real podcast our tumblr is teen wolf free wolf um and if you really really like this episode you can buy us a coffee ko-fi.com forward slash teen wolf free wolf if you want to buy one of our stickers it's redbubble forward.com forward slash teen wolf free wolf other than that i have been christian and i've been julia and we hope you guys have a wolf of a week uh, uh, woo! woo.